0: your help, and I need you to guide me, Father, as I attempt to preach these verses, Lord. I pray that you would help this to be a time when it could be said that God met with us, and that the Holy Spirit moved in us, and that it wasn't my words, Lord, but that it was your words. I pray you'd help me to have a clear mind, and a a sense of what you want me to uh, say in your precious name. I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Exodus, chapter number uh, four and if you remember from last week, in chapter three, God called Moses and He called him into the ministry, if you will, if that's what you want to call it, and, and He He appeared to him in the burning bush. And in chapter four, uh, we continue the conversation between God and Moses, and really. Moses puts up some questions or some excuses or some reasons why he believes he's not fit to do the job that God has called him to do. And so often you and I will act the same way. God will have a job for us and we will put up excuses why we can't do it, why we can't accomplish it. And God answered his excuses. And what I really gather from the passage is this. We see how God equipped Moses. How God equipped Moses For the task that He had called them for. If you look at verse 1, the Bible says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe Me. So God just said, Moses, go down to Egypt. I'm going to have you deliver the children of Israel. And the first thing Moses says is, They're not going to believe Me. He says, They will not believe Me, nor hearken unto My voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Now, look you got to understand, and just real quickly, go to, keep your finger there in Exodus 4, but go with me to Acts 7. And, and if you want to put a ribbon there or your bulletin there or something, keep it there because we're going to come back to Acts 7. But something you need to understand is that Moses... Wasn't you know, sometimes people beat up on Moses, and, and they say, you know, oh, Moses, you know, was just putting up these excuses, he didn't want to serve God, he didn't want to, but you got to understand, you know, if you look at it from Moses' perspective, I understand why he's saying, they're not going to believe me. And, and the reason is this, Moses already tried to help the people. Remember, look at Acts 7, look at verse number 25, we find here a little commentary, of the book of Exodus, and in verse 25 it says, for he, talking about Moses, suppose his brethren would have understood, how that God by uh, his hand would would deliver them by but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again. Saying, "Sirs, ye are brethren. Why do ye wrong one to another?" But he did his, but he that did his neighbor wrong, thrust him away, saying, "Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday?" Then fled Moses at his saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. So we see there, and you can go back to Exodus three, but keep something there in Acts seven, because we're going to come back to it. But you see there that Moses, there, there's good reason why he's saying they're not going to believe me, because he already tried to do it before. Now, he was still in Egypt and it wasn't the right time and it wasn't really God leading him at that point. But he says, I, I, I tried to accomplish this before and they didn't believe me, they didn't respect me, they didn't want anything to do with it. And he says, what's going to be different now, God? What's going to be different? He says, he says, you know, they're not going to believe that the Lord... The, the Lord they're going to say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Look at verse 2. And the Lord said unto him. Now, it's very interesting that God really... Ignores the question. Notice he doesn't answer his question. He turns around and says this, And the Lord said unto them, What is that in thine hand? You know, it almost seems like God has ADD or something. You know, he's like, What do you mean what is that in my hand? I didn't ask, you know, I'm I'm telling you that they're not going to believe me. And then God says, you know, What's in your hand, Moses? Verse 2, And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Now, we see there God performed a miracle. And this is just the first of many miracles that God is going to use Moses to do. But I want you to understand the context. Moses says to God, God, they're not going to believe me. And God doesn't answer the question, doesn't even acknowledge the question. He just says, Moses, what's in your hand? A rod. And in, in those days, it was very common for shepherds or herdsmen to, to have some sort of a rod or a stick that they would use uh, as they worked. And he said, I've got a rod in my hand. And, and he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before. So he takes his rod, throws it on the ground. And when it hits the ground, that stick becomes a live snake, a serpent. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. And look at verse number 5. You say, why is God asking these questions? Well, the reason He does this is in verse 5. Look what He says. He says that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. Now, here's what you got to understand. Moses said, God, they're not going to believe that you appeared unto me. And God says... Moses, let me show you something. And he performs a miracle. And then after that miracle, he says, that's why they're going to believe that God hath appeared unto unto me. And let me tell you something. In your life and my life, sometimes we have this thought, you know, uh, we preach about soul winning and we preach about, you know, doing God's work. And we'll have this thought, well, they're not going to believe me. I can't go preach the gospel to my family. They're not going to trust me. They're not going to believe me. They're not going to respect me. They know my past. They know what I've done. You know, and this is really what Moses was dealing with. He's going back to his family. After 40 years, and he said, you know, before they mocked me, and before they didn't trust me, and before they thought that I was going to kill them, and now I'm going to come back out, and they're going to believe me? And God says, yes, and here's why. Here's the difference, Moses. What you did not have 40 years ago, but you have now, is the power of God. He says, you've got God's hand on your life, Moses, and here's how you're going to prove it. Here's why they're going to believe you, because my Just as available to you and I as it was to Moses. In the mountain of God. But there's, it's interesting because there's a few lessons we could learn from this miracle. Look at verse 2. Remember God's ADD? And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? I want you to notice something. When God chooses to put His hand or His power on your life, let me tell you something. He chooses to use those things that are in your possession. Notice, God didn't tell Moses, go buy a shiny new rod. Notice, God didn't tell Moses, go buy a, a, you know, a real nice scepter made out of gold and, and and silver. He didn't say, I want you to do anything. He said, he said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your possession? And so often, you and I will look at the task that God has for us and we'll say, God, I can't do this. God, they won't believe me. God, it, I tried it before and it didn't work out. And God will look, you and me and you'll say hey what's available see God's not very choosy he uses whatever's available and he says Moses what's out in your hand he says what's wrong and God says hey anything that you possess anything that you have anything that you already see we have this idea God if I could just preach a little better God if I just if I, if I, if I could if I just to do with us. He says, what do you have? He's not choosing. God wants to use what's in your possession. Look at verse 3. And He said, cast it on the ground. And He cast it on the ground and became a serpent. And look it says, and Moses fled from before it. Now the fact that Moses fled, he ran away from this, we can assume, and again, this is, the Bible doesn't really spell it out for us, but we can assume that this must have been some sort of a venomous snake. Some snake that he wasn't Either a dangerous snake or a snake that he didn't really know much about because, well, you know, I mean, I, I would probably, you know, just, even if it was a garden snake, if I threw a stick down and turned to a snake, I'd probably run from it too. <laughs> but, but you know, we're, we're, you know, he throws a snake, you know, and, and he's afraid of it for whatever reason. Moses, Moses fled from before it. But I want you to watch God's instruction. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, look what he says, and take it by the tail. God very specifically tells him how. To pick up the snake. Now here's the thing. You know there there are people who do it, but they are dumb. <laughs> but if you're ever going to pick up a snake, especially if it's venomous or it can hurt you, it can bite you. You know generally people pick it up by the neck. You know right up right underneath the head. You say why do they do that? Well the reason they do that is because if you pick it up by the tail, a snake has the ability to wrap itself around you and bite you. Do you understand that? If you, if you ever seen anybody handle like a rattlesnake or something like that? They pick it up by the... You know, they squeeze it by the head. That thing can, It can wrap all around you all you want, but as long as you're holding on to the head, it's not going to bite you. Moses was a shepherd on the backside of the desert for 40 years. You think he knew how to handle a snake... You think he you think he may have run across a snake before he knew what to do around them? What he knew if he had to grab one, how to properly grab it. But God very specifically said, put forth thine hand, he says, and take it by the tail. Now here's the thing, Moses is probably thinking of though if I pick that thing up by the tail, its head is going to be loose and free to bite me. But notice what happens. And he said, cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. Verse 4. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. As soon as he grabbed it by the tail, it turned back into a rod. Now here's what I want you to understand: Not only is God willing to use whatever's in your possession, God wants you to be very vulnerable. Get used to that word, Vulnerable. If you want God's power on your life, if you want miracle-working power on your life, you're going to have to understand, God uses people who are vulnerable. How are you vulnerable? Like when you're picking up a snake by its tail. God wants you in a position in life where if you make it, it's because God did it. Do you understand that? The only reason that snake did not bite Moses is because God turned that snake back into a rock. Because by any other, you know, definition or any other way of thinking, that snake should have been. But I think exactly where God wants you. say, how does, you know, God would be able to use me if I had a better, uh, you know, Bible college education. And if I knew, you know, all this theology. And if I, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Your excuses, Moses. God says, no, Moses, I can use even that rod. If you're willing to give up what you possess and if you're willing to be born. God says, I can show my power. God says, I can do that. Look at verse 5. That they may believe the Lord God of their fathers, and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto me." Notice, the only reason they're going to believe Him is because of God's power. You say, well, Pastor, that was, that, was, uh, that, that, that was Moses, and that time is gone, and that day's not available for us. Go be. I told you to keep your finger there in Acts 7. Just go, go to Acts chapter 1 real quick. Let me show you something. Acts chapter number 1. Look at verse number 8. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 8. The Bible says, But ye... Now, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I missed. I, I must have missed this class in Bible college. I don't know. But is, is Acts in the New Testament or in the Old Testament? Who, who knows the answer to that question? I hope somebody knows the answer to that question. Is Ms. H- yeah. Ms. Hudson, it's the New Testament. Okay, good. <laughs> Praise God. New Testament. Are we New Testament believers or Old Testament believers? Old Testament. Old Testament believers? How old are you? <laughs> We're New Testament believers, right? Look at Acts 8. Look at what it says. But ye... Who's the ye there? That's you and I. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is coming. By the way, that there's God's power. So how do you get God's power? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Let me tell you something. God told Moses, Moses, the only reason they're going to believe you when you go back into the world and you preach God's word, the only reason they're going to believe you is not because anything you've done, Moses, because we've already seen you try and they mocked and, they, and you failed. But they'll believe you because of eight times. Or you don't you don't stutter, or you don't whatever. Let me tell you something, the only reason anyone gets saved when we go out knocking on doors and winning people to Christ, you know why? Because of God's power. Because of God's Holy Spirit. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You understand that? You understand that has less to do with you and more to do with God and God's power and God's strength. Let me tell you something, I've been out soul winning with people who have stuttered and stammered and dropped their power Literally, and I think people... same power is available to you and I, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. You say, well, they're not going to believe me when I go. I know Moses, they won't believe you. But when God's power is available, they will. And you and I, when God's power is available, they will. They'll listen. They'll get saved. You say, will they all get saved? No. But a lot of them will. If you go, if you're willing to be used, and even maybe put yourself in a little bit of a vulnerable. You think that it was maybe a little nerve-wracking for Moses to pick up a snake by tail. You think that maybe he was a little unsure of himself? You think that maybe he was a little bit on the spotlight? But he said, I'm willing to be vulnerable if God says you'll come through. And God says, I will come through. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, furthermore. I like that word. I, I, like, I like that. Furthermore. He said, Moses, it's not just that. He says, furthermore unto him, put not thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his was lepers, and snow. Obviously, leprosy is a disease. We know it's a skin-type disease. That, you know, your, your skin turns to white and it falls apart. Moses puts his hand into his bosom, puts it into his jacket, is what I would imagine, or his coat, something like that. He brings it out, It's leprous as snow, the Bible says. Look at verse 7. And He said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And He put His hand into His bosom again, and plucked it out of His bosom, and behold, it was turned again as His other flesh. Look at verse 8. Look what God said. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs... Neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Let me tell you something. God says to Moses, Moses, you're going to turn the stick into a serpent, you're going to pick it up, it's going to turn back into a rock. God says to Moses, "Moses, you can put your hand into your bosom and bring it out, and it will be leprous as snow. You put it back in and bring it out, it will be as the flesh." He says, "If they don't believe that, you can go out and get some water from the river and pour it on the ground, and it will turn into blood." But here's what I want you to understand. Here's I was thinking about this. And I was thinking to myself, God, wouldn't it be easier for you to just show up to the children of Israel and say, "Hey, by the way, Moses is the man I've chosen to lead you out." Wouldn't that be easier? Why all this convincing? Why all these miracles? Why? But here's what I want you to understand. God, it would probably be easier for God to do that, but God is more interested in backing up His man than really winning over a crowd. You understand that? Say, so, well God, wouldn't it just be easier if instead of us going out, soul winning, knocking on doors, if you just sent angels to do it? Wouldn't it be easier if you just sent Jesus Christ to do it? Wouldn't it just be easier if you won my husband to Christ, or my wife to Christ, or my children to Christ, or my grandchildren to Christ? Wouldn't it just be easier if you did it? And God says, I probably could do a better job than you, but here's the thing. I'd rather back you up. I'd rather use you. I'd rather send you Moses. And that's the focus that God has. has, Because here's the excuse that Moses gave. God, they're not going to believe me. And God says, "They'll believe you if you do what I tell you to do. What did God equip him with? He equipped him with power. Not only that, look at verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech, and of a slow tongue. He gives him his second excuse. He says, God, I can't talk. Do you want me to go preach? I'm going to go open my mouth and go to Pharaoh and go to all the Egyptians and go to these people and, and, and preach your word. He says, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since I was spoken unto my servant. He says, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. He says, God, I don't have the ability to speak. And I want you to notice God's response, verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now, before we go any further, let me just say this. Personally, I do not believe Moses was making this up. So I know some people say, Moses gave an excuse, and he really was able to speak well, and, 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 and we'll talk about that here in Acts 7 in a second. But I, I honestly don't think that. I, I, think Moses, I think Moses was giving an excuse, but I think he was giving a real excuse, that he wasn't able to talk. That's just my personal opinion. If you don't agree with that, that's fine. Uh, but that's what I think. And let me show you why I think that. Uh, drop down real quickly to verse 14. Notice, God didn't say to Moses, Moses... You're right, you can't speak, but I, I, you know, just do it anyway. Even though God did tell him that, he told him, I will be with you. But in verse 14, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said unto, uh, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? And look what he says. This is why I believe Moses really couldn't speak, because God said, I know that he can speak well. So God acknowledges the fact that his brother can't speak well. So he says, look, Moses, you've got to excuse you can't speak. And he says, you need to get over that. But he says, "Moses, but your brother can not speak well. And the fact that God acknowledges that to me makes me think that Moses wasn't lying to God. He wasn't trying to just come up with an excuse. He really did have a, uh, uh, he didn't have the ability to speak or whatever. Again, that's just my opinion. But Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since I was spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, verse 11 is one of my favorite verses in the book of Exodus. Because God, the Bible says, and the Lord said unto Moses. And I believe God, when God said this, He didn't really... I, in my mind, I, I imagine God more yelling this. He was saying, who hath made man's mouth? Because Moses just said, I can't speak, I'm slow of tongue. Uh, I'm, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. He said, I'm not eloquent. And, and God's response is this, who made man's mouth? Or who make it? And notice these words, because it's very interesting. This, this really popped out to me recently. God said, Who made man's mouth, right? We would all agree with that. But then notice what he says. Or who maketh the dumb? Now, is being dumb a good thing? Look what he says. Or deaf. Is being deaf a good thing? He says, Or the seeing. Now, that's a good thing. Or the blind. Have not I, the Lord, don't, don't miss this. God just told us here that He not only made man's mouth, or not only made man with the ability to speak, and not only did He make man with the ability to see, God said, I also made the dumb, the deaf, and the blind. Do you say that? See, we look at that as, as a mess-up. A child comes out and they're, they're poor blind, and we think, why would God do this? And God says, no, actually, that's how I create." is Isn't that crazy? Do you see what I'm saying? Look at verse 11 again. And the Lord said unto him, Who or who make it? And he's talking about no. He said, who make it the dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or the blind? He said, have not I the Lord? He said, look, I'm the one that made. If you're blind, it's because I made you blind. If you're deaf, it's because I made you deaf. If you're dumb, it's because I made you dumb. I was, here, I was listening on the news just last week. I was listening on, on the radio. I was listening to the news. And I heard a story of a couple who's suing this medical facility or whatever because the lady was with child she was pregnant and they went there and had some tests ran you know because there were these like abortion people you know they were pro abortion and they had some tests ran because they wanted to make sure that their baby was healthy otherwise they were going to abort it and the tests all came back saying that the baby was born that, that it was normal, it was natural, they went ahead with the birth. When the baby was born, the little girl was born mentally retarded. And this couple, instead of, you know, loving this little child, and taking this little child, and, and, and giving even more attention to this little child, it, it turns out that the that the, the, the strand of... Whatever she had was not able to be detected by the the test of So this couple's mad and and is suing the medical practice because they, this is what they say: if we would have known she was retarded, we would have aborted. Can you believe this? Let me tell you something. God created. You know, we have this this idea that well, God, you know. in our society when we would saying that person's not perfect so we're going to kill them. That's insane. But this couple that's what they're saying. And God says hey, I made them bad. I made them dumb. I made them blind. He said that's the plan I had for them. Isn't that crazy? Look at verse 12. He says because I made man's mouth in verse 12 he says to Moses he says now therefore go. See, Moses said, I don't have the ability to speak. I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of tongue and slow of speech. And God says, I made man's mouth. I made language. I made the ability that you do have. He says, don't complain about how I made you, Moses. If you're slow of tongue, I made you that way. If you're slow of speech, I created you. And I knew what I was going to call you for. And it doesn't matter, he says. And let me tell you you and I did not have an excuse, because we like to hide behind excuses. People say this, Pastor, if I had the childhood you had, I'd be serving God too. No excuse, my friend. God knows who you're being born to, where you're being born, He knew exactly what was going to happen, He knew exactly, you said, well, why would God, I don't, I don't know, take that up to, with God, but let me tell you something, whatever excuse you've got, Moses, I can't... God knows exactly what He has for you. And God knows how He created you. And let me tell you something. He created you exactly how He wanted you to be. Perfect. You shouldn't look down on people for that. He says, verse 12, Now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. He says, Moses, here's what you understand. I'm going to be with you. I'll be with your mouth. I'll teach thee what thou shalt say. Look at verse 13. And He said, Oh my Lord, send, I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send? Now, it's very easy to read over that verse and not really understand what he's saying. In verse 14, the Bible says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now, he was, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses based on verse 13. So what is he saying? Well, understand the context, okay? God is telling Moses, I'm going to send you to Egypt. Moses is giving excuses why he can't serve God. And God says, Moses, no excuse. And he's equipping him. And verse 13, in verse 12, God says, Now therefore, go. He said, I will be with thy mouth, in teaching what thou shalt say. And in verse 13, the Bible says, And he said, look what he says, O my Lord, he says, Send, I pray thee, by the hand, look what he says, Of him whom thou wilt send. Moses said, Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him. Whom thou wilt send. Now, if I was God, I'd be mad too, because I'm thinking to myself, Moses, what are you talking about? Of him? I'm sending you. But here's what Moses said. Moses said, God, here's what Moses said saying in verse 13. God, can you just send someone else? You just send anyone else? He said, Send, I pray thee, by thy hand. He said, of, ha- of him, of anyone. Just, he said, Can you send anyone else, God, please? Anyone but me. Look at verse 14. And the angel of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Let me tell you something. Number one, God gave Moses power. But number two, I want you to understand this. God gave Moses people. God gave Moses people. When, God, when Moses said, I can't do this, God. I cannot do it by myself. God said, Okay, Moses. I'll bring, I'll bring some I'll bring someone. Do you remember the story in the book of Judges of uh, uh, Barak? And do you remember how Barak and Deborah, you remember how God wanted them to go and he said, I can't do it by myself? And he said, okay, we'll take so-and-so with you. Remember the story of, of uh, Gideon? When Gideon said, I can't go by myself," and, and God said, well, if you're afraid take so-and-so with you. And he said, okay. And he took him with him. God, it's very common for God to equip, you know, that's the point of church by the way. That's why we come together as a community, as a congregation of believers, we come together. Because Moses said, God, I'm just so afraid to do it by myself. And God said, okay, I not only will give you my power, he says, I will also give you people. People to help. People to go. Let me tell you something. God gave Moses people that would be by his side, that will say, I will believe in you, Moses. I will stick with you, Moses. I will follow you, Moses. I will And God said, I I love this. Look at verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite, thy brother? I know that he can speak well. By the way, Aaron was an older brother. And he said, I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, look at what it says. Don't miss this. He cometh forth to meet thee. God said, Aaron is coming to meet you right now, Moses. But here's the thing. Just skip over real quick to verse number... uh... 27, of uh, uh, chapter 4 there. Look what it says. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. Now hold on a second. God told Moses in verse 14, He cometh forth to meet thee. But it wasn't until sometime later, and we'll see as we read the rest of the passage, it wasn't until sometime later in verse 27 that the Lord said to Aaron go into the wilderness to meet Moses and what I want you to understand God told Moses hey Aaron goes forth to meet you but God hadn't even told Aaron to go yet when God Chose a man, or chose a person, or chose people to say, I'm going to bring you to the man I've chosen, to the leader I've chosen, and you're going to be a help to him, and you're going to be an encouragement to him, and you're going to go with him, and you're going to help him with this ministry, help him with this mission that I've given him. He says, I'm going to choose a man who I know is going to be obedient. Because before I've ever even called him, I'm already saying he's on his way. Why? Because he knew that Aaron would go. You say, Pastor I'm glad, because there can only be one pastor. <laughs> God hasn't called me to be a missionary, or to be a preacher, or to be whatever. Well, maybe God's just called you to be a very faithful, obedient helper. i will say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be part of that. I'll join up with Moses, and I'll go, even though I'm the older brother, and, I, and Moses is the younger, I'll submit, and I'll be so faithful that God, before He even calls where I'm at. He did not have to question where I'm going. God says, he's already on the way, Moses. And then he goes to Aaron and says, hey, can you do this? And And he was that trustworthy in Aaron that he knew he'd be on his way. Look at verse 15. Look at the ministry. And thou shalt speak unto him. This is God telling Moses. Thou shalt speak unto him, Aaron, and put words in his mouth. Look what he says. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And very interesting, verse 16. He says, And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. Remember what he saying. I don't have a, uh, uh, my mouth doesn't work, God. And he says, okay, he'll be instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. Here's, now, uh, when you first read that, you think, like What? Now, God is still God, obviously. But this is what God was saying to Moses. God was saying to Moses, Moses, there are things you can't do. You naturally cannot do. I will send people to help you do those things. But then he says, you know, there is also a leadership mentality here. And and this is what God was telling Moses. He was saying, Moses, I'm not going to deal directly with Aaron. He said, I'm going to deal with you and deal through you with Aaron. Let me tell you something. Why? You say, I don't understand God's will for my, our, our lives. Maybe God's not really dealing with you. He may be dealing with the leader, and your job is just to follow through him. Children, why? You know, even in church here you say, Well I don't understand, Pastor, we need to see all the records of the finances you want to see the records of the finances, show me tithing first and I'll show you the records of the finances. Don't you know, don't come to me saying, I want to see all the records of the church and I'm like, You've never given anything to church do, and I will work through you in that. You say, how do I find fulfillment as a child? Serve God through your parents. How do I find fulfillment as a wife? Serve God through your husband. How do I find fulfillment as a church person? Serve God through the leadership that God has put in your life. Look at verse 16. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. I, I like that. You know why? There's a lot of things I, I can't do. What, what can't you do, Pastor? I thought you could do everything. Nah. Some of you think that. I'm just kidding. But you say, you, you know, there's things that I can't do. There's things that I can't do, or I don't have the time to do, or, or the, I don't have the ability to do. I'm not smart enough to do it. But some of you can do it. I don't, let me tell you something. I don't have the ability to knock on every door in Sacramento. I just don't. I mean, I, I could in, in 50 years. But you can do it. If you join up and you say, Hey, I'll help. Hey, I'll take my part. Hey, I'll I'll do part of that ministry. Look at verse 18. And we'll read verse 16 again. And he shall be thy spokesman to the people. And he shall be even, he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went to went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they, yet, whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian. Now, notice, this is a different conversation now, because they were at the Mount of God, Mount Horeb. Now God is speaking to him in Midian. And the Lord said, that's why we know that verse 27 is different than this. And then when God told, you remember when, we're talking about how uh, God told him Aaron's on his way but he hadn't really called him yet. We know that time has gone by. Look at verse 19. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian Go return to Egypt for all men are dead which sought thy life. So by the way up to verse 19 Moses thinks he's going to Egypt against a Pharaoh that wants to kill him. Because remember that's why he ran away. It wasn't until Moses said okay God I'll go that God said oh and by the way everyone who wanted to kill you is gone. See Moses could have used that as a complaint. But see, God always takes care of it. God takes care of it. Verse 19. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return unto Egypt. For all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the... I want you to notice. Don't miss this. Look what it says. Moses took the rod... What's the next two words? Of God. Do you see that? In his hand. Isn't that amazing? Was that God's rod? Whose rod... Remember, God asked Moses, what's in your hand, and what did Moses say? A rod. Whose rod was it? Moses. But when Moses used God's, his rod, and said, God, you want this? I'll, I'll give it to you. You want me to be vulnerable? I'll be vulnerable. I, I want your power in my life. God says, hey Moses, you know that rod you had? Guess whose rod that is now. He, the Bible says, and Moses took the rod of God in His hand. Let me tell you something. You make yourself available and you make your possessions available and you say, God, whatever I have, whatever you want, I'll give it to you and God says, I'll take it and it'll be mine. You say, God, take my life. People will start saying, there goes a man of God. There goes a woman of God. See, that's our life, my friend. You're either a rod, you're either Moses' rod or you're the rod of God and you become God Available. He says, Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Man, I should sure like to have that. The rod of God. Well, guess what? You can have the lips of God, you can have the feet of God, you can have the vehicle of God, you can have whatever of God if you'd make it available to him. Look at verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return to Egypt, see that thou do all the one those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thy hand, but I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy sons, even thy firstborn. We'll cover those verses at another time. Look at verse 24. And it came to pass. I think verse 24 is one of the most interesting verses in this entire chapter. Maybe in the book of Exodus. I don't know how many times I've read through the book of Exodus and just skipped through this verse 24 says, And it came to pass by the way in the inn. Moses is traveling down to Egypt. The inn is the little motel or wherever they're staying. It says, and it came to pass by the way. They're on their way to Egypt. In the inn. That's the Lord. Now you see there, that that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's God, Jehovah God. The Lord met him. Now the context there about him is Moses. The Lord met Moses, look what it says, and sought to kill him. You see that? You say, what? God tried, the Lord sought to kill Moses? You say, well, why did he do that? Well, you know, the Bible's not very clear in this passage as to what exactly God is doing or why he's thinking, but if we study the Bible in its context, then we can uh, gather some assumptions of what God may be doing. Look at verse 25. Then, so we know it's in the same context. Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son And cast it at his feet and said Surely a bloody husband art thou to me So he let him go Then she said A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision So what can we gather from that? Here's what we can gather from that Zipporah doesn't seem very happy about the idea of circumcision And what we gotta understand That in the Old Testament Just uh, Go with me real quickly, Genesis 17 We gotta finish in like the next three minutes Genesis 17, look at verse 14. Genesis 17, look at verse 14. We're probably not going to make it, just so you know. Genesis 17, look at verse 14. That doesn't mean don't try, keep going. Genesis 17, 14, look what it says, real quickly. And the uncircumcised man is when God gave the law of circumcision. And the uncircumcised man child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people... He has broken my covenant. Let me tell you something. God put a law to Abraham, and He said, from now on, anyone in the Old Testament, not the New Testament, we're not talking about that, it's a sermon for another time. But in the Old Testament, He said, anyone who's not circumcised is going to be cut off from my people. And it seems as if there was a conversation between Moses and Zipporah about the fact that their children should really be circumcised, because that's what God commanded, and maybe Zipporah threw a fit about it, You know, she wasn't a Jew and maybe she didn't understand it or whatever and the Bible tells us that God actually met Moses and sought to kill him because of it and in verse 25 then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said surely a bloody husband art thou to me look what it says verse 26 so he let him go I mean, the Lord was actually like grabbing Moses and was ready to kill him. And the poor very quickly took her son and circumcised him and threw the skin and said, You're a bloody husband unto me. And then God said, Fine. And he let him go. So he let him go. Then she said, A blooded husband thou art because of the circumcision. Let me tell you, you what can we learn about that? Here's what we can learn about that. Take God's law seriously. People have this idea. Well, I know that God doesn't want me to do this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. and, And he'll be okay with it. Let me tell you something. If your goal is to make me happy, or my wife happy, or other people in church happy, or your family happy, you've got the wrong goal, my friend. Moses says to his wife, we need to circumcise these children. And she says, no. And he says, well, to keep the peace. And God says, your priority is me. And and specifically, God says, I'm not not about to send you down to free my people with my power and my wonders and all the things you're going to do while you're completely blatantly sinning against me. And he said, circumcise the child or I'm going to kill you. And she circumcised the child, praise the Lord. But we ought to take God's commandments seriously. They're God's commandments. They're not, you know, things that we can just take for granted or say, oh, whatever. Look at verse 27. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses, and he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him, and all the signs which had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders. So what he says, they're gathering together the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that He had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. And let me tell you something, God gave them more people, and God gave them more, just don't worry about that, God gave them more people. You say, well, what, because God gave them a person, Aaron, but then God gave them more people. Now, unfortunately, as you continue to read, these people kind of turn their back, but let me tell you something, the way that God equips us for the ministries, here's what He does, He gives us power, and He gives us people. But here's the thing. The people have to be obedient. And I honestly, I believe that there are people that God has brought to this church. And I I just think to myself, it's amazing how God has brought the right attitude, the right mentality, just the right people to the church. But here's the thing. Sometimes people are disobedient. And sometimes, I mean, it's so clear that God has brought someone here and then that person says, I don't want to be part of this. I don't want, I don't. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to do something else. Man, thank God that Aaron wasn't like that. Think of that. Aaron was so trustworthy that before God ever called him out, he said, hey, by the way, Aaron's on his way. Let me show you just one verse or a couple verses and we're done. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. What can we learn about this? Well, here's what we can learn, okay? this is, It's the same thing. It's the same thing throughout all Scripture. But I don't know if God just continually has to make us hear it and make us see it because it's the same thing. We always come up with the same excuses. I can't serve God because whatever. I can't serve God because of my money, because of my uh, emotions, because I'm depressed, because I'm sad, because of this, because of that, because I'm not educated, because whatever. Let me there you something. Look at Acts First uh, Corinthians chapter number one. Look at verse number 25. The Bible says, "Because the foolishness of God, look what it says, is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. The Bible tells us, the weakness of God is wiser than men. Do you understand this? The weakness of God is stronger than men. Can you go to Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth, Pharaoh, the most powerful army, military on planet earth, with a rod and say, and say let my people go. The weakness of God, look what it says, is stronger than men. Do you understand that? Yeah. The weakness of God... Are you going to go there with a rod? That's what his wife might say. And he say, well, well, it's not a rod, it's God's rod. And the Bible says, the weakness of God is stronger than man. Look at verse 26. For ye see your calling... You say, who do you keep bringing this rod? Let me tell you something. You're the rod. <laughs> I'm the rod. Look what he says. For ye see your calling, brethren, have not many wise men after the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised, has God hath chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to not things that are. Here's why that no flesh should glory in his presence. The reason God chooses the weak and the foolish. And that's the point. Right there, that's the point. Say, so why, why, why am I so weak, Pastor? Why does God, it seems like financially He keeps me down. It seems like emotionally He keeps me down. It seems like my health, He keeps me down. It seems like He just keeps giving me a thorn in the flesh. Why? Here's what. God wants you to be weak. Why did He make me deaf? He made you like that because He wants you to be weak. Why did He make me blind? He made you like that because He wants you to be weak. Why did He make me whatever? He made you like that because the weaker you are, the more glory He gets. Man, if I could put that in people's minds. I don't understand why God's doing this to me. Because the weaker you are, the more glory He gets. The weaker you are, the more pathetic you are, the more glory He gets when He does a wonderful, marvelous work. That's, that's why, I, why I believe that Mary Baptist Church is going to be used in a more even powerful way than it has. So if I say, why is that? Because it's so weak say, Pastor, should you really say that? I'm just telling you the truth.
1: We don't have the finances or the facilities
0: or the ability or the things to do. Uh, your pastor doesn't even, you know, I mean, good night. I spent like 60 hours working on secular job this week. He's like, is God really going to build that? Well, when we're weak, he's strong. When, we're, when we don't have the power and we say, God, all I have is a rod. He says, I'll take that rod because here's the thing. His weakness is stronger than the world's strength. Amen, Pastor. That's the lesson of Moses. That's the lesson of Exodus. And the faster we would figure that out, the faster we'd be more joyful. Because like Paul, we would glory in our infirmities. That, uh, remember what he said? Power of God may rest upon me. That's what Paul said. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. And dear me, Father, thank you all for our church. Thank you for Bible study time. Thank you for the book of Exodus. And Father, I pray you'd bless us and help us to realize that the weaker we are, the more opportunity we give you to work in our lives. We love you, Father. Help us all to be that rod of God. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.